Welcome to the Social Flight Live podcast, an audio version of our live show, hosted every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Hello, everyone. I'm Jeff Simon, and welcome to a very special episode of Social Flight Live. This show has now been going on for close to three years and almost 200 episodes, and our mission is to bring some of the most amazing and inspirational individuals in aviation together to share their personal stories, who they are, how they got to be the people that they uh, currently are, and just share all of that with the general aviation community. And I cannot think of anyone who has had more of a personal impact on me than Treat Williams and the relationship that I formed with him by having him on the show several times. Now, what you may not know is that what goes into these shows are many pre-show meetings and opportunities for me to get to know the guests that come on the show. And in many cases, we form a wonderful bond and become friends over the period of uh, days, weeks, and even years if they come on the show multiple times. And this was absolutely the case with Treat Williams. And so I reached out to Treat's family who absolutely endorsed taking the recordings of our pre-show meetings and making them available to all of you so that you could get a sense for who Treat Williams really was as an individual and what a wonderful human being he was and uh, an asset to general aviation. And so there are some edits where personal information has been cut out, but all in all, this is just a straight recording of one of our meetings. This one's gonna be the first meeting that we had, and then there are several others that'll be coming out as well. But I hope this is a great opportunity for you to see a little bit more about someone who was so very special to so many. And so with that, I take you to one of our first pre-show meetings with Treat Williams. Boom, you did it. Thanks, Gil. Uh, you know, I gotta tell you right away, I dislike you intensely because of that beautiful panel behind you that you get to fly <laughs> in, your, in your basement. How cool, let's see what we've got here. We have, mm -hmm, looks like Garmin. No, oh, no, sorry. We're gonna buzz What's, you out on what, that one. I wonder okay, what that so, is. So, so, here, so here's the story. First of all, I don't know, uh, there's never any green screen or anything going on here. Everything you see here is <laughs> I can touch because we're actually in, this is my living room, believe it or not. And uh, we are building a Mustang here in our living room. So I'm gonna, gonna give you a peek at this. A Mustang airplane or a car? A P-51 Mustang. Oh, the, 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 the somewhat miniaturized version or? Yeah, or... Titan, Titan, three-quarter scale Titan Mustang. Are you married? <laughs> I was at one point. Anymore? <laughs> second, time, second time around I'm engaged and, uh, and she understands this fully. <laughs> okay, okay. I guess she knows what she's in for. Oh, yeah. So um, uh, this is a, a labor of uh, love, I'd say, with uh, my two. I know, uh, obviously, you've uh, got really close relationship with your kids. And this is my 
project with my boys. So, um, and that panel is, now, uh, what is, do you, is in work. What, 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 uh, where are the specs for that? I mean, in terms of it being uh, uh, airworthy and that sort of thing, is there is there a, uh, a set of plans from which you are working or? Uh, it's a kit. Uh, Titan Aircraft is the company that makes it. You know, there's one in, in the hangar, uh, believe it or not. Oh, really? Somebody kind of abandoned. I, it's not, it wasn't flying last year. I belong to a to a, an airport, a very small, wonderful grass strip airport. You probably, you may have heard of it in, in, in New York. Um, and actually, it's a reporting point when I used to fly IFR. What's the, what's the airport? Oh, uh, where are we? And where are you based now? Uh, at Rutland. Oh, okay. K R a uniform tango. And uh, where am I? I'm here. Cambridge. Oh. Cambridge view. So it's a you know it's like a 2300 uh, grass strip, two strips. One of them is not so good because the farmer won't cut the trees at the end of the <laughs> runway. You know that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's great because I want to teach my son to fly the cub. And, and oh. as you know, grass is a lot more forgiving of sideways landings than, than pavement. Oh, yeah. So, so I have a small hangar there. But any in the larger hangar where I had the plan for a while in the winter uh, is, is a, a, you know, a smaller P-51 like yours. Uh, I don't know if it's the same company or not. I don't know if they're the only, only ones who do it. But. There's been a few companies that have tried it. It depends. Uh, this is a three-quarter scale. But, uh, uh, yeah, there's been a few companies out there. I think the I think the... Uh, Titan may have produced the most kits so far, but we'll we'll see. I owned, I owned a T6 for 16 years and oh flew a T6. And uh, apparently, when you were transitioning from the six into the Mustang, you were you were you had to fly the T6 from the back seat, from the rear, in order to get used to the long nose of the of the Mustang, which gave you absolutely no forward visibility. It was oh, more man. about and landing than it was about flying. It was just getting used have, to. I've always heard that when uh, transitioning from the T6 to the Mustang made all your landings easier. <laughs> it was nothing as hard as the T6. Well, the gear is very, very narrow. I mean, you you are a good pilot if you can fly a six well. So that taught me, that, that probably improved my flying skills, you know, tenfold, uh, oh, learning to fly the airplane. So that was a lot of fun. So, so of cool. Yeah. Well, when do you think you'll have it up and running, up and flying? I'll be there that day. Thank you very much. Got a lot of tailboat time. <laughs> I'm on a rolling two-year schedule, so I'll let you know. You've got some time for some advance notice in that. Where will you um, keep it? At your field? Yeah, we'll probably keep it at Minuteman uh, at, at Stowe. Okay. Uh, that's uh, so, Oh, okay. Not, not Stowe, Vermont. No, six Bravo, six Bravo, six. Although I do get up to uh, Rutland, so we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to connect up there. Yeah, I've got the Cub up there in a hang, friend's hangar. That I just bought a new fuel tank. It it started to leak, and I thought it was just a, you know, a valve, but it wasn't. It's the tank is just well, it's only seventy years old. I don't know why it's leaking. <laughs> it's amazing how things wear out these days. <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait. Actually, I can't wait to have the money to to put in the eighty-five horsepower and and redo the fabric and paint it yellow. It's it's white and red. It's painted like a little aerobatic cub. It's not painted in the standard cub colors. I kind of wanted to do the real honest to God yellow, you know, cub 
paint job eventually. My, yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, obviously kids get their own, uh, they're very much their own identities. And my my oldest is gone. I'm also an AMP and an IA on the side. And my oldest has kind of gone that more, uh, uh, that that route and also the kind of like flying and interested in IFR. My youngest is an old soul who is gotten his tailwheel and is just he all he wants to do when we go to something like Air Venture or Oshkosh, you know those. All he does is go hang out with the guys. He's like minimum age is like seventy. That's who he wants to go sit down, hang out, talk tailwheels. Cubs are his favorite. I mean. <laughs> you know, for me, when, when we talk, when we do the talk, it's kind of wonderful that I. In a, in a way, the cub is there for me when I decide to hang up the, the medical and just say, you know what, this is all I'm going to fly. I don't really, I just want to go and fly twice a week and, you know. You have what, and, and, Aztec is your, is, is your, your kind of heavier LR, is that it? Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, the panel, it look, I call it 150 mile an hour uh, Gulfstream 5 is really what it is. The, pan <laughs> the panel is a heavy metal panel, man. My partner, Charlie, just loves gadgetry as much as I do. So we put everything in, you know, the Garmin 275, the 750, there's a 650 below the 750. And we've got the new TXI, which is the sort of the giant yeah. movie screen panel. I, wonder, is that the one that, that you, I think you sent a video to Barry, uh, who sent it to, to, to yeah, me. Yeah, or... I did. Yeah, yeah, of uh, the landing, I think, or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you have time, I'd love to see some, uh, if you have just some pictures to send. We don't do much in terms of pictures uh, on air because we also are transitioning it um, for podcast. But uh, well, I'll just send it for you personally. Yeah. So you know, actually, one of the things I, I'm I'm actually fascinated by is that when I think back, I was talking to Sullenberger about this at one of our events. You know, how simple aviating in instrument conditions used to be. The workload was minimal. When I was coming down from Vermont back and forth for 20 years to Teterboro in crap weather, you know, and they'd say descend, you know, descend to maintain 4,000 fly hitting, you know, uh, 090 vectors for the ILS to six, you're done. All you had to do was follow orders right down to the runway, basically, you know, once you locked in. And um, now there's a myriad of choices as to what you can put where. And as the workload goes, you know, skyrocketing because, you know, do you want to, do you want to have it, uh, put it in traffic mode, put the 275 in the traffic mode, and then you have two different screens on your primary flight display, and you have a, a screen on your, on your Garmin, you know, 750, where does everything go? Yeah. And what are you looking at? You know, and yeah. in, in putting the approach in is different. You know, you have to, you have to, it's a much a more series of, of, of factors to put the approach in. If they want to send you to a waypoint out it, within the approach, they can do that, which they didn't never used to do. So it's yeah. interesting that you have more, you have to understand what your computer is capable of and what you want it to do. And that's where I had a big learning curve when we went to the glass cockpit, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, but I'm glad uh, to I, have it. I mean, it's wonderful to have it, you know, you know, that well, you have. Current, you're mentioning, I mean, currency in itself, has changed dramatically because remaining current on steam gauges on, on on traditional instruments is is one thing. Remaining current on glass panel and, and navigators and all the complexity is, is a whole nother level. Yeah, and I have to tell you, it was you know I got because I'm not in the airplane for four months of the year. I've been behind the eight ball. This has actually been a great time for me to really 
uh, I'm, I'm on the computer every day. And luckily, they have two flyable uh, uh, options on, the, on, the, on my laptop that I can use so that I can fly the airplane. I can fly the Garmin TXI and I can fly the 750. I can set up where I am, airspeed and altitude and fly approaches. So it's a good practice to, to get to know the equipment. That's awesome. But there's nothing like being in the airplane, really. You, know? uh, you mentioned that you're uh, uh, away for four months. So what's your, what's your schedule generally like? Uh, well, uh, it ha for the last five years, it, except for one year we took off because of COVID, uh, I travel sometime in March mm -hmm. to, uh, to um, Vancouver Island, to the oh. central Vancouver Island, where we shoot a show for Hallmark, which is on on Sunday nights called Chesapeake mm -hmm. Shores. Yep, I'm aware of that. The first few years before COVID, I actually called Canada, got myself a Canadian add-on license. You can fly your own airplane in Canada, but you cannot fly a Canadian registered aircraft unless you have the Canadian ticket. Oh, I didn't it. know that. Yeah. And oh. so I got it, so but I tried months, to take the Aztec out there. There, Well, I know because I have a partner. So, you know, Charlie and I, if one of us is going to the vineyard, let's say the other one will fly in there and then go back and have the airplane and go pick him up when it's time. Or have if you're not busy or you don't want to use the airplane, the other guy can go. He's, he's been there, in fact, in the Bahamas right now with it. We're wending his way back from Florida. He says he doesn't want to come home. It's too warm and too nice. <laughs> I'm out an airplane for weeks now, uh, but uh, yeah. So that the, so I go out in March. We start shooting. We shoot in blocks of two two shows. We mm -hmm. do ten. So there's five blocks, five two show blocks, which takes us to about uh, this time this year. It'll take us to about the beginning of uh, July, and then I get to come home and I'm free and I can either go do other things, which I did this year. Mm -hmm. Or I can just say, you know what, I'm done. I want to take a long break, which is what I'm doing now. Yeah, I did. I, mean, I, I did two. So many projects going on. I mean, you're in a well, million it's, things. It's thinning. It's thinning out now. I did two episodes of a new show of the guys who did The Wire. Yeah. So I did. I played an old, older cop in that, uh, and is I that did we one. Own this city, or is that? Yeah. 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 How do you know about that? Would you look I know me up? That. <laughs> um, you naughty boy. Uh, and then also, I you know I just did one episode with Tom Selleck. Of, of, I, I come back and you know bug yeah. him on blue blood, 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 blood occasionally. Yeah. You know. But aside from that, you know, I wrote a play. I'm working on that. That's basically what I'm doing. Just I'm just going to kind of. It's really nice to just sit by the fire every day. I can't tell you how easy it is to do nothing. I'm enjoying it. Wonderful. Yeah. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, we're good. we're gonna have a blast. We're just gonna, you know, th this. I think, as I, as I mentioned to you, this is a show that is exactly what's happening right now. Um, we're gonna. I, I'd like to talk a little bit about your life, your experience uh, of, of aviation. Oh no, I was um, thinking today about stuff I, said, I hadn't thought about in so long, like, like doing crazy stuff, like flying with Art Scholl in uh, in, a, in the movie Chris Christopherson and I did a movie. I stood on this. I stood. On, they put a little wooden platform. I stood on the landing gear of a, of a Cessna. I think it was a 172, maybe it's a 182. And they wired me into the airplane, attached me with a with a harness to the airplane, no parachute. Which we movie, was that? Which movie was that again? Flashpoint. You oh, can yeah. Pull, you can pull up the, the sequence on YouTube. And I did a, a, a mid-air fight with Art, you know, punching. And, and Art said, Treat, I can't fly the airplane. you got to stop doing this. You know, I was getting really into it. And we landed with me standing on the gear. That, I mean, it was bizarre. Thank God, that it was, was not man. You just did that. 
And then Art and I went up on another show I did with Bob Duval called Flashpoint. And in that one, I was in a Stearman and they re-rigged the bin. Uh, it was a Stearman used for spraying and they re-rigged the spray bin with controls for Art. And when the camera was on me, Art would duck down and I would fly because I can fly, you know. I had my Seneca out there at the time. We were out in, yeah, yeah. We were out in uh, Arizona, Tucson. And, uh, and then when they did the stunt where I beat up the car that, you know, I have a battle with the car pounding on that. I lose the wheel on the airplane. Art did all the stuff and he had a black wig on to look like me. <laughs> so we did two, I did two pictures with Art Scholl. So wait a minute, one was Flashpoint. What was the other one? Uh, one is called Flashpoint. You can go uh, stunt sequence or flying sequence. And the other was called, uh, I played D.B. Cooper, the first guy to ever, Yeah. as you well know who he is. And, and uh, okay. it was called Pursuit of D.B. Cooper. Not really something you need to watch all the way through. <laughs> not, not really. Oh come on! There's there's jewels in everything. You no, know, we all we all you know we all have good days and bad days, even in <laughs> television. Um, you know, I'm proud of everything I did. I you did the best you can. You know, so that's wonderful. But uh, that you know, I just forgotten about all that kind of goofy, goofy stuff I did, and and things I did that I never would you know would do now. I mean, just extraordinarily. Why I stood on the on the gear. And let him land. I could have broken both legs. I could have been dead. You know. You did it so that now you can. Art, look art back proved. Art and have this proved, conversation. Well, art proved how dangerous it is. I mean, he died shooting on Top Gun. So you know, mm -hmm. they never found the plane or art. You know, uh, unfortunately, and no one knows what happened. But, I, but most people think that the cameras in those days were so heavy that it just, when he got it into a spin, he didn't have the same aerodynamics on the. It was a pits, I believe he was using to to shoot the point of view of, I think there was F-16s that they were flying. I can't remember what, what aircraft it was yeah. in time. And, uh, they, you know, he just said, I got a problem. I got a big problem. And that was the last they ever heard of him, heard from him. So, yeah, terrible, terrible. Great pilot. Wow. Great pilot. Good guy. Nice guy. Very, very humble, very quiet, you know, very nice. But, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff all the, <laughs> along the way. You know, uh, three... Two catastrophic engine failures. Oh uh, I want to tell you when we do it. I want to tell you about the time that I was flying at night up to Rhode Island, and and uh, I the, my engine started making a terrible sound. I looked down and I had no oil pressure in my right engine, and so I shut it down. You know, feathered the prop, and I told the tower going into into Rhode Island that I I said I'm on I'm flying on one engine. I shut one engine down. He said, Are "You declaring an emergency." I said, and I didn't know whether I had to or not. I said, no, but I tell you this, I'm not going around. <laughs> it's, I'm going to plant this no matter what. So I, I'll tell you this again when we do it, but uh, I got it over to, oh, there was oil all over the, the fuselage. And the first thing they asked me was not, are you okay? It was let me see your license, your medical. And I was like, really? I don't know if I'm all right. <laughs> so I, call, I got it over to a shop and I called the shop the next day and I said to the guy, so why did I lose all my oil pressure? And the mechanic says, well, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I said, well, what does that mean? You, you know, you want to, what happened? He said, well, your, your oil cooler, you know, veins were pierced. It was pierced. And I said, what pierced it? He said, um, a wrench. Somebody left a wrench in your engine. 
Oh. So when I went back to Teterboro, I said to the FBO, the head of the of maintenance and charge of everything, I said, listen, I I got to tell you, you guys left the wrench and, and during the annual in my engine. He said, yeah, well, that's Bobby. He's having marital trouble. I said, well, Bobby's <laughs> marital troubles are going to get me killed, man. <laughs> oh, I moved the airplane that day. So that was the end of that was the end of that relationship. Oh my God. Yeah, that's so. amazing. Um, yeah. you know, so. that's it, it that's exactly what you gotta be careful about. That's gonna be a great story. <laughs> I you know, I'll tell you, you know, there's nothing there was nothing you could do on run up. I mean you couldn't there's no there's nothing on your checklist that's like find wrench in engine. You couldn't see into the compartment. It was in the interior guts of the engine, right? Le right? I guess right. leaning right up against the oil cooler. Um, you know, oh those God. are very soft too. You know, it's like the back of it. Right? I guess you know, you're an AP, the back of an air conditioner, very pliable and easily uh, uh, pierced. I um, uh, about a year ago, my son was flying from a place that we don't rent from anymore. That um, uh, he, I went, I was there. He went up and and flew in the Cessna, and he and he, came, and he immediately came back. He's like, something's wrong. I was foot on the floor, right, you know, rudder the whole time and, you know, land it. So I go in and I look in, in this, this, you know, rental plane, I find the, the, the rudder spring is off. I'm like, well, that's strange. It's not broken. It's like, why is that off? And I go and I look in and jammed in the controls is, is this flash, this maintenance flashlight down jammed into the controls with, I don't know if you can see it, the cable sawing through. Oh yeah, I see it. Sawing straight through it, which had been there for quite a while. I said, I'm going to keep this and wait for the mechanic who's missing a flashlight <laughs> to start looking for it. Did ever, anybody ever say, where's my flashlight? No. No, no. You know, the story, a, a story about the, the extra 300, which killed my, my, my aerobatic instructor, Randy Gagne, out in L.A. When I was learning to fly my T6, Randy was my aerobatic guy. He was the go-to aerobatic instructor out of Van Nuys Airport. And he was giving instruction in the extra. They don't know if it was a heart attack or not. He was a, a, a superb pilot, so it could have been that he just had a massive heart attack. Nobody knows. But apparently, the, the way the fuselage interior with the wiring and the uh, control wiring goes through a smaller and smaller, you know, it, it, it descends back into the tail to something about the size of a quarter. And apparently you're told never to have change in your pockets because a quarter could fall out of your pocket, slide back there during one of your verticals and jam your flight controls, which is a possibility. Yeah, that's, that's, it just so happened that a, a coin could, could easily jam the control. So it's not unlike that situation, yeah. you know, the, with the flashlight. You got Funny it. how things that you have to be careful. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Biggest one of the biggest risks we always talk about is maintenance. <laughs> I had, you know, it's weird. I had, and they were good. They were just got, I don't know what happened, but I wasn't getting enough power. My Seneca was turbocharged and my left engine wasn't coming up to power on takeoff. And I kept saying, guys, what is wrong? I'm not getting the same amount of power and thrust as, as the right engine. And they said, we don't know, Trey, you can't, can't figure it out. And I was like, there's got to be something. We just don't see any problem. So one day I said, I'm just going to do it myself. So I opened the cow flap and I got on my back underneath the airplane and examined. And sure enough, there was a one inch hole 
in my where the exhaust pipe split. That I, there was a hole in the exhaust pipe. I was guys, how could you miss this? <laughs> you need new mechanics. <laughs> I know. Well, I, that's the same place. I moved it from there. You know, that no, actually, it was the second place. You've got to really be on top. I mean, I think it's the fact that you've got that AP license is a great idea because you can really, you know, check out the airplane and. Well, it's, it's better than one of the ways to kind of protect yourself a little bit. I'm an AMP and IA. My son's an AMP also, although he's not going into that professionally. Neither am I really professionally. But it just helps helps you look for things. But uh, I just try to help people as much as I can. What goes into the P51? What engine are you going to put in that? Uh, it's actually a, an auto engine. It's a uh, it's a V8. It's an LM4 V8 uh, engine. Yep. Uh, well, you know the original P51 was water cooled. Well, that, isn't that isn't that awfully heavy auto engine to go in the aircraft, or is it not? Not it's it's designed for it. Uh, you do have to put some some ballast and make sure you're moving things back into the tail. The 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 aircraft's pretty strong, and of course the original P51 was water cooled, so it's all designed for a water cooled engine. That's right. That's that's right. It was Rolls Royce, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Allison, and then Rolls Royce. Yeah. And that the Allison was problematic, as I remember when I read yes. about it. Yeah, yeah, lower power didn't do as much. It was wasn't until the uh, British got their hands on it that it turned into a superstar. Well, yeah, yeah. So yours, what's the horsepower on the engine you put in it? Uh, this one is going to be 300. Wow. So this is not going to be a, a very slow mock mock up. This is going to be a fast airplane, I assume. Um, not crazy. Uh, uh probably you know it, it, it maybe 200 knots. The 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 uh, 200 miles an hour, not knots. Um. The the aircraft has a, a is meant to be forgiving. It's it's a fat wing. It's uh it's really meant to be a safe airplane to fly, uh in the way that Titan has has described it. So it's not like a race it or anything right, like right, that. Right. We're just building it to have fun. Oh, I can't wait to see it. That's so exciting. I'll fly my cub over when you take your when you take it up. Uh, absolutely, it'll be a it'll be a lot of fun, without a doubt. But uh, in, and normally our main ride is uh, is a an A36 that I restored uh, over a bunch of years, and that's what we use. Is that a V tail or a straight tail? It's a Bonanza, straight yes. tail. Nice. What do you and did you upgrade the panel to for for a yeah? It's been a, it's been a whole like labor of love for many years, just putting sweat equity and changing it, and so it's got a, a um, I'm constantly. Uh, doing things, whether it's the panel or other things. So it's actually got more to go in the panel. It, it's it, you know, the uh, nice thing. Well, about I'll tell you what, you send me pictures of that and I'll send you pictures of my stuff. Fair enough. Be careful what you wish for though, because I, I will inundate people with photographs. I and pictures. Oh, I absolutely want to see the pictures. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. No yeah. I got a bunch of like old stuff. Said, I mean, you're up there in, in Rutland. We'll come for a visit. That'll be great. Yeah, please. We'll have to, there's a nice, Couple of nice places to go have lunch. A friend of mine owns a beautiful place. You should look it up, called Mountaintop. It's a beautiful oh, okay. inn in Rutland, and he owns the inn, and they've got great restaurant, beautiful views. We could have lunch up there. It's a awesome. fantastic place. And uh, now, does does everybody in your family fly with you? What's the, the what's the story? Um, not as much as it used to be. Every weekend up here, I was flying in weather that you wouldn't believe. I mean, now I look back on it, I'm like, you know, landing in snowstorms and in the Seneca, you know, where you used to think that de-ice meant you could actually fly in ice, which is not the case whatsoever. Right. But uh, I didn't fly in ice, but there, there, you know, snow never held me back. 
as long as it was colder than, than icing. You know, there was no icing, freezing layer. Um, but uh, so it was weekends out of Teterboro, up and back and forth to Rutland and the Seneca. And mm-hmm. then when I moved out, then I acquired, while we, I was working in Los Angeles and I had a, that, I'll talk about that. I had an aviation company for eight years. We did th- film and television flying with helicopters and what aircraft. Was that, what was that company called? Cineflight, C-I-N-E-F-L-I-G-H-T. And my, my instructor, when I got my commercial add-on in helicopters, uh, and I decided we'd join the fray of aviation uh, flying. And unfortunately, he died in a, in a helicopter crash. We were doing a music video for Meatloaf, and uh, he hit wires. And um, I just shut the company down. It was just too devastating to me. And also, I wasn't one of the guys that liked flying on the edge of uh, the envelope. I like being right in the middle of the safety, you know. But uh, anyway, that's where I got my, so I I got my commercial helicopter rating out there. And then we acquired, he flew the T-6 up from Paraguay. It was part of the Paraguayan Air Force. And then we rebuilt, we rebuilt and repainted the six. And then when he passed away, the six, I actually had, I actually owned the six and he got to fly it because he wasn't making a lot of money. I was doing a series with Shelley Long. And uh, when he passed away, we moved back east, and I brought the six back. So it was the six and the Seneca. And then when I was doing my show Everwood out in Park City, Utah, we were at Heber Airport, I called my financial guy and said, I want to get a – I'm going to buy a a Piper, uh, uh, one of the larger Pipers. And he said, how large? And I said, well, it seats nine. And he said, sell the six, and you can get the bigger Piper, you know. (laughs) So, I had nine. Uh, I had a. I had a. a, a Navajo. A, I had a Navajo chieftain for uh, about ten years, which I adored, and rebuilt that, and that was really, really fun to have. And then, ultimately, I, after uh, the Navajo, uh, I came back east. We we came back east, and I sold the Navajo. I had no airplane, and I was invited to join this flying club, and. Uh, <clears throat> the, by attrition, people left the club, and there were only two of us left. And we said to the rest of the guys in the club, sell us the Cub for $1, and we will get it back up to speed. And you guys can fly for 80, 80 bucks an hour, just like the club. But nobody did. So we ended up with a $1 Cub that we took. It cost $7,000 to get it back up to speed. And then my partner, unfortunately, passed away. And so that the, the Cub became mine. Um, wow. And then uh, I partnered with Charlie on the Aztec, and so I think these—I think the couple will be my last plane. Um, but the usage of the airplane is a long-winded answer. Basically, I would fly the dogs back. The family really liked the airlines; they weren't up for ten hours in the airplane, you know. And I had it tricked out with movie screens, and they just would prefer to, you know, sit in the back with a nice big comfy seat. So I would do the I'd, – I'd bring all the dogs and extra stuff back from Park City when we get home for summer. And mm-hmm. you, we used it for vacations and down to Florida. And uh, last year, Pam and I took the Aztec down to Charleston, South Carolina for a vacation. But basically, since I have a partner on it now, it doesn't come with me. And there's nowhere to go in Canada with COVID, too. Is Where do you go, you know, that right. you can go – it's it's been a really strange three years of, of in aviation. Now you. So what you, I do is I practice. I do nothing. The Cape and Islands, though. I mean, that's that's such a wonderful place. Of course, do you go there? No, I I have friends who have all their money there, but no, I. Don't. <laughs> 
We had property in the Bahamas that would go to the Bahamas every year to Eleuthera, and I'd fly the Seneca down there, and that was a fun flight. You know, we'd stop in South Carolina, and then one night in Florida, and then hop over to the Bahamas the next morning and spend a week there. And that was a lot of fun. But basically, you know, I would go back and forth all. When I had the Seneca and I was, I was and, and even when I got married, I would always commute in the Seneca out to California, and, and I kept the plane at Santa Monica. I bought all my Pipers from Ken Kruger in Santa Monica. So that was my home base, and that's closing up next year, you know. It's, a, it's wow. unfortunate. It's very sad. It it's is. where the DC-3 was built. Amazing. Very sad. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, that, that's a show in itself. Why do people move next to airports and then try to close them? I've never yeah, understood. Realtors. <laughs> because realtors are the first ones that show people a new neighborhood going up next to a uh, an airport. And then they go, don't worry about that. The we're airport closed. is going to be closing. Yeah, we'll close it. Long before it's closing. Are you safe at your field? Uh, comes and goes. What'd you say? Six, six B six. Is it? Yes. Okay. okay. Do people want it out of there? Or did they hate oh, yeah. the noise? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we've lost so many. We've, I think on average, one airport a year has been lost in Massachusetts. And, uh, there's one that's almost walking distance, probably from my house, a long walk, uh, that just closed also. That was a short strip and it just seems to be, and, and they, they, they did that to turn it into like a business park and, and nothing moved in. So now it's... No, there's, a, there's an airport over in New York that I, I go and I'll drive up there. There's no sign to it. They don't even want you to know it's there and you drive up this drive and there's the, there's the tarmac and there's grass and, you know, weeds growing into it. It's, it's like visiting a picture, a very famous picture of Jimmy Stewart standing on the runway where he flew the the, uh, uh, the B, I think it was B20, B-17s, and he's standing there. There's all kinds of bushes and grass growing up to the runway. He went back to visit, you know, like 1960s. Oh, and that, wow. They shut everything down. The fields, all the small fields. That's why I really love Cambridge so much, because there's so little of that left. It's really yeah. a bunch of guys in their 70s who fly ragwing tail draggers, you know. It's a lovely, lovely place. I'm going to have to go check that out if I'm ever. Oh, yeah, just fly in sometime. Area. I just, yeah. uh, I just don't, I don't think I'll be able to get the bonanza. How about what do you, how use? Trip do you say? I think you might be able to. Uh, I can't remember. Who cares what the airstrip is? <laughs> you got a cub, you know, memorize the length yeah, of it. You don't have to worry about that at all. <laughs> no, let me see what it is. I, I, uh, let me see. Uh, Chapin Field, it's called. And uh, best runway, not available. Oh, give me a break. Come on, tell me what's the runway. There we go. Oh, we go. Um, 2,100 feet, 2,129 feet. So I wouldn't think, think twice about that if it were paved, but uh, it depends on. <laughs> well, just land slow. Exactly. Exactly. I'll get at it. You know what? You can land anywhere once. That's what I tell the kids. <laughs> Soft field landing. It's just That's actually. Right. It's, it, I'm not worried could. about getting in. It's a question of how soft you it is for getting out. I think you'd be fine. What's nice about it is the trees right the at the end or not. Well, there's a, there's a road and no trees, so you can approach it. You know, you can be. You know, flatlining it right into the. Oh, to touch. oh, that's not okay. Now I'm now I'm back and in. <laughs> there's also, to be honest, there's a tree line at the end of the runway, but to the left, if you got into trouble you wouldn't have to try and do a 180 back and stall yourself to death. You could actually just bank it over and put it in this very, very large cornfield. 
which is to the left of the runway. So, and that it's, works. It's, the runway's westerly, so if there's any breeze, you, you know, don't take off at noon in August. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> High humidity and all the fun and games that go along you know, with I'm, that. You know, I'm on my fiftieth year of flying this year. Fifty years. Oh so my I'm, God, that's amazing. I sold in Connecticut when I was 17 years old, the year I graduated from Kent School at a little airfield uh, called Candlelight Farms, which was on Candlewood Lake, grass oh, strip. I grew up near Candlewood. In a super cub. Did you, did you ever know there was a strip there at the, at the north end? I never knew there was a strip there. There is a strip oh, there. It's a gorgeous lake, oh my God. There. Candlelight Farms, now it's private, I think, in, a, in my football coaches, uh, a, a super cub and i soloed in june of 1969 so go wow. figure That's and fantastic. then I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get in an airplane uh, you know as a pilot for four years so like when college i started making money and then i and then i started to fly again in the in 70 i guess it was i got my license in in 1973 that was when i got my private and then I just started we're getting like we're gonna have to have you on more than one show because this is gonna keep going. I love this. Well, you know, you don't have that combination of doing goofy stuff like doing stunts in, in airplanes. There's a DC three where Nick Nolte threw me out of a DC three that's out in LA. That's still flying. He threw me what? to my death. What movie was that one? That was called uh, that was called Mulholland Falls. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And uh, he threw me to my. I jumped out of the back of a 727 when I was, uh, when I was. It was a fake 727, and then they let me fly it. The guys took me up. It was the. It was the airplane for the, at the time, the baseball team from um, from uh, California. Uh, what's the city south of L.A.? Uh, San Diego, San Diego Padres. It was their 727. So I got right seat time in a 727. That was fun. That's so. awesome. So I did the the jump out of that, uh, yeah. But there's been a lot of flying stuff. Interesting during during all the movies, you know, a lot of fun. That's fantastic. And my company actually did the flying for, uh, or at least the, the guy who was the aviation guy used my company, Cineflight, to do all the flying for Con Air, the movie Con Air. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of fun stuff. It's been a good ride. It's been a fun ride, I tell you. A lot of fun. It's Still going on. You got to convince Hallmark to uh, start putting some planes in some of these things. They did. Oh, really? Oh, listen. Uh, season one. Um, believe it or not, my airplane was was a uh, Navajo chieftain, and <laughs> we had a sequence where I landed the airplane with my daughter, and the, I taxied the airplane up to a spot. They filmed it. They filmed me without anybody in the right seat, so it was great. You know, they let me have the airplane, and we did a takeoff, and I said you know, just take it, get it up to speed like you're going to take off. And I, I had, it, it took all of my willpower not to rotate and keep on flying. But if I had, I would have gotten a lot of which trouble. Which episode was this? First, first, I don't know which episode, first season. Uh, but the, there was a company that was flying nothing but Navajos back and forth to the mainland, you know. And this past season, this is a, interesting. I don't know where they're going to take me with it. This past season, apparently I owned a Seneca and I, got into trouble. I had to write a, a, a believable pilot-friendly version of why I, I had to crash the airplane on an island off the coast, which is <laughs> nigh on impossible. If you're an instrument pilot, why would you put it down on an island? So I came up with all this 
it's in the it's in the second to last episode this past season, and uh, they. I get banged up pretty badly. I break my arm and get cut up badly. So I start taking Oxycontin and I become addicted to Oxycontin. Oh, gosh. So my addiction continues as we start shooting. I'm going to, apparently I said that, I talked to the writer last night. I said, am I going to get sober? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll clean you up by halfway through. It'll be all right, fine. Well, if you need, all right, if you need to check any facts on that, uh, Heidi, my fiance, is addiction medicine doctor. So she, that's all she does is deal with that addiction. So, so don't. I, don't I, uh, I think totally I, I don't want to go anywhere near any of that stuff. It scares me to death. That it don't, was. A, don't, don't, yeah, but don't write some script there that where like, however you got off with some, uh, some kind of absurd. Th don't do the medicine equivalent of like whatever aviation. When we see something, we go, oh no, 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 no. Well, you know, I wrote, I wrote what I thought was believable enough i wrote that i and I, this has happened in the aztec once and we got it fixed that i lost the entire panel and because it was a short trip to drop the ashes of a guy that i knew i didn't take any of my ipads or anything else so i had no panel so i couldn't and and a fog bank rolled in unexpectedly and i was off the coast there's a fog bank so all i had was a compass and I had no way of getting to any other airport, and I didn't know which air, how, how far inland the fog went. So I decided the safe bet was to be put it down on an island, which had lots of rocks and trees and, and no run. That's pretty believable. I like I think that. So. I think so. And I said, That's you know, the, land, the landing set off my ELT. Helicopters were there within half an hour, and they pulled me out. And I, I thought it was... It was tough because, you know, they said, you can't treat, don't get too detailed on this because the audience doesn't really care. Only the pilots <laughs> that you care about care that you don't say something <laughs> stupid. I love the, they love the movies where the guys, the guys in the movies that are flying an airplane and they're landing and they're like 400 feet, 300 feet. They're looking out the window. <laughs> they're not looking at the gauges, just flying like driving a car. <laughs> Well, I, I think I think what you wrote is pretty credible. That works. I don't know. You'll see. You can watch it. You can see it. You can pull it up. Um, but I, I thought it was is credible enough. It's actually kind of funny uh, the way I told the story to my family because I'm somewhat embarrassed that I, you know, the great Mick O'Brien would would crash his own airplane. You know, <laughs> obviously they don't want me to fly. Actually, due to weather. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that that's that's where it stands. And there was, we had to go and make a a a, a perfectly fine. Um, uh, Seneca looked like it had been, you know, had had a very bad landing, uh, and I don't think that worked as well. But at least, you know, at least it looked like it'd been, you know, it'd been damaged pretty badly. Now I'm dying to see this. Oh well, it's it's not that exciting. But anyway, that, so I am a pilot in the show, and every once in a while, I would do things like bring my headset into a scene just to remind the audience that I still flew, because <laughs> it's very expensive to do flying sequences. So I'd have an iPad and a headset. Yeah, I just went out on the plane. Boy, I was tough getting back from New York. What headset did you go dragging in there? Who, 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 whose headset? Come on. Oh, I took two Dave Clarks with me for my, because I joined a flying club out there. They had a 172 that I could stay current and just go knock around the island, you know. So I, that's why I got my Canadian license, so I could fly something. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't have one of these guys like, you know, Lightspeed or Bose going and, and knocking on your door to take their headset with you. Well, there are guys that want me to because I don't think these guys are all weekend pilots and I'm an instructor, instrument rated, blah, blah, blah. So they would always say, you come up, we do some approaches, we just, you know, be my safety pilot and, and be my pretend controller. 
and put me through the, the works. And I'd say, sure, I can log the time. Let me have a couple landings and I'll, I'll do that for you. So uh, I did bring, I brought the Dave Clarks just for that, but we don't use Dave Clarks anymore. I'm going to send you some fun little things from my okay. phone. A little bit okay. of cub flying in the fall, some nice leaf change. Are you flying at all? The weather's been so shitty up here. I, I flew yesterday. You did, uh, but oh. not, not today. <laughs> There's just, it's just was when Pam and I went, it was so hard. We had masks on. Luckily, all the restaurants are on roofs of buildings. That's why we went to Charleston. It's the only place we go during COVID where we could go out every yeah. night to dinner, which was what we wanted yeah. to do. If you don't I will. Mind. I'll help you with that. I'll help you with the oxygen. I'll do, as many, I'll do as many of these as you like until I get <laughs> uninteresting, uninteresting to your audience. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> And now you're going to be inundated with all kinds of fun stuff from uh, from my aviating. That's awesome. You, That's awesome. Stop, stop. Really, really, it doesn't have to just be aviating. If you have any pictures from when you were combining aviating with the and I found those sequences. You can find Treat Williams' uh, fight scene, Bob Duvall, D.B. Cooper. You can go to YouTube and go... Uh, um aviation aerial fight and flashpoint some of it comes up you know, oh, oh i'm so gonna do it. i just wanted to see if you had any any of your personal pictures or something from it i do in a box i have stuff with bob devon and i you know on set and pictures of me with art but uh <laughs> by, by the way barry schiff is is channeling us right now because he just he just pinged me and sent me an, the article he wrote on you Back in February of 2011, we went up in the in the Chieftain. We flew up for lunch. That's awesome. I've always loved his writing. He writes beautifully. Isn't he great? Yes, he's a he's a very very close friend. He's wonderful. He's a good man. He and Brian. I'm he so said to me day, he said to me one day. He said so. Uh, you know, he said I'd like to meet you. Let's have lunch. We met at Santa Monica. He said so. I understand you uh, you landed your Seneca gear up here. And I said, no, no. A guy that I let fly it landed here, gear up here. I never landed it here up. I said to my friend, I said, are you here? He was there to pick me up. And he said, yeah, I'm on the runway. And I said, okay, I'll be right there. He said, no, no, I'm on the runway. I'm stuck on the runway. We, we, the, gear, the gear collapsed. And he promised me that he had the gear down, but they told me it was physically impossible. Once that gear's down and locked, it's not going to collapse. So if, he probably forgot to bring the gear down. Well, isn't isn't every every pilot's gear up landing followed by uh, one quick move that moves the gear lever switch down? <laughs> yeah, belatedly. <laughs> isn't that on the checklist? <laughs> Chris Reed did it and tried to keep it a secret. I know Chris did. He was a good friend of mine. He uh, landed he landed gear up at Teterboro. So in a Bonanza. No, it wasn't a Bonanza. It was uh, it was the twin engine uh, beach, Baron. But uh, we've all done stupid things now and again. I have, that's for sure. I've done my share. Yeah. All right, I'll send you some stuff. Uh, what are we doing so, this so much. Are, for sure. What so are we doing this? 7.40 p.m. on Tuesday night. We have to talk for 20 minutes before we start the thing? What are uh, we going to say to no, 20 minutes of me going, hey, I'm looking at your crotch. Move it back up higher. <laughs> Oh, I'll be the Jeffrey Tubin of aviators. Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Poor man. <laughs> I'm surprised he's back on the air. The lucky guy. Holy mackerel. Um, okay.
let me send this stuff to you, some stuff. You'll get a kick out of it, I think. Excellent. Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, and it's 7 Tuesday, is it? I've got it written up, but I just forgot. It's Tuesday. Uh, we'll get on at 7.40 p.m. We go live at 8. Okay. Very good. See you then. Take care, Chase. See ya. Bye. Bye. And so that was the first meeting on camera that I ever had with Treat Williams. And as you can see, he is just one of the most wonderful individuals you can imagine and will be truly, truly missed. In the future, we will be releasing a few more of these meetings that we had uh, over the past years as he came on the show multiple times. And so with that, I'd just like to thank all of you for everything that you do for general aviation as well and wish you all blue skies. Thank you.